Welcome to the podcast. Today, James Lindsay joins us. He's got a new book out about CRT and what it really means. What is the theory behind it? Uh, it's a great interview. As well, we have one with Chad Prather, who um, is running for governor. And uh, he's got a way of speaking to people in Texas that I think you'll really like. Yeah, I don't care where you live. Yeah. I mean, maybe maybe not Los Angeles or New York, but you'll love him. Yeah. Um, also, we have blazetv.com slash Glenn available for you right now. You get 10 bucks off your subscription with Blaze TV. Last night, we had a couple great shows on, if I may say so myself. Uh, Studios America, a great episode on well, focused on CNN uh, a lot of the time. I actually had Glenn on that show, and we talked about the Great Reset and who actually is behind all the craziness in Canada and the Biden administration. And then a really funny show and informative show from Glenn on Glenn TV uh, last night as well that you're not going to want to miss as he goes through uh, the Biden administration and the power behind it. It's cr- it's crazy. The only way I could deal with it was through comedy. Rare form. Uh, don't miss show. And don't forget to subscribe to this podcast. Rate and review five stars is the appropriate number of stars. And don't forget to subscribe and rate and review Stu Does America as well. Available as a podcast right here wherever you're listening to your podcasts. You're listening to the best of the Glenn Beck program. Today is the one year anniversary of the death of Rush Limbaugh. Um, Rush Limbaugh is really the only reason I'm still in radio because I used to be a stupid disc jockey and man, I got to be 30 and I was like, I want to hang myself if I have to play another pop hit. Uh, And um, I was going to get out and my dad said, you've known what you wanted to do since you were eight. And I said, I know, but I can't do it anymore. He said, yes, you can. You're just not talking about the things that interest you. Find those things and restart your career. He was right. And the only reason why I could restart my career is because Rush Limbaugh had already paved the path of people doing talk. This is before podcasts, kids. Nobody was doing talk radio. And if they did, it was horrible. And Rush brought it in to the mainstream. So I am grateful to him on many levels. And he actually had to approve my being on this network because I preceded him on the network. And uh, I'm glad I didn't know why that hotline light was lit up the entire show back in 2000, what, 2000 or 2001. It was Rush listening to my program. I want to be really... Um, clear on this because I certainly do not deserve what I have in my hand. There are other people that are that should have gotten this much more than me. I I received this um, because they know that I will care for it. They know that we're building a museum and they know that I will share it with people so they can actually see it. But This is Rush Limbaugh's golden microphone. From behind my golden microphone. This is one of the most important artifacts. I have Orson Welles' original script from War of the Worlds that he used on that night. That has made me cry the first time I handled that. The same with this. 
this is a an icon um, that will go on forever for anybody who appreciates the spoken word. Rush, I wish you were here still using it. This will be uh, on display at the Mercury Studios every day. All right, let me go to James Lindsay. He is the author of Race Marxism. Uh, James, how are you, sir? I'm great, thanks. How are you? Very good. So the last time you were in was a couple of weeks ago, and I did a, a, a podcast with you, and you can find it on YouTube.com uh, forward slash Glenn Beck. Um, but uh, it was, it's fascinating because you know this inside and out. I was reading your book last night, and it's all on CRT. And you talked about uh, the practice of CRT. I really want to make sure we get to that. But first, can you quickly describe what CRT is so people who are fighting it can fight it, you know, uh, more effectively? Yeah, right at the very beginning. So the very first thing I say, actually, is the title of the book. That's your description of, of CRT. Critical race theory is race Marxism. So it's Marxism that uses race in place of class. Uh, if you understand the ideological engine of Marxism, if you understand the activism of Marxism, if you understand the trajectory of a Marxist society, that's what you're looking at, just using race in place of economic class. Okay, hang but, on just a uh, second. And that came because... Marx thought that the working class would rise up and overthrow the the uh, big banks and the business and everything else, and they would want to be able to take control. So you would go into communism that didn't work in the West. And so later race Marxism was was founded or or. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Let me tell you the story. This is actually in the middle part of the book, uh, and this is the key. I don't think. I somehow, I think that the scholars, bless their hearts, have missed <laughs> the trajectory of Marxism over the past, say, 50 to 70 years. It, it, you know, truly from a Southerner, bless their hearts. I know. Uh, the, yeah, Marxism, Marxism took a gigantic exit ramp in the 1960s. What happened was that the middle 20th century Marxists, we call them sometimes neo-Marxists or critical Marxists, uh, they realized, they said Marx was wrong. They, this is Max Horkheimer. I'm quoting Max Horkheimer, who was, who was the, the creator of critical theory. He said specifically in an interview in 1969, Marx was wrong. He believed that, that capitalism would immiserate the worker, but it doesn't. It allows him to build a better life. That's why they created the critical theory was because capitalism actually works. Another big theory. Hey, hang on, hang on. I just wanted to digest that here for a second. That yeah. quote says everything, everything. It allows them to create a better life. So they had to find something else. And so to really understand what they're doing, this is why capitalism is under attack right now. They're using race and saying it doesn't help the races build a life. It is all these white people that have created this system. And so the whole system has to be torn down. And that is capitalism. It's a brilliant, it. brilliant system. 
That's right. So like I started to say, this other guy, Herbert Marcuse, most influential of the critical Marxists, writing in the 1960s, very famous books, very famous essays and, and, and articles, uh, hundreds of thousands of readers. He's the, considered the father of the so-called new left. And so he says that what happened was that advanced capitalism works. He actually says that it, it allows the working class to stabilize. And when they stabilize by becoming a middle class with stuff, they become a conservative and a counter-revolutionary force. So he says in this essay in 1969, that same year Horkheimer said that, that capitalism works, he said in this essay, we need a new working class, a new one. And let's look, he says in his own words, to the ghetto populations. Let's look to the feminists. Let's look to the sexual minorities. Let's look to the unemployed and the outcasts from society. That's where the vital needs for a revolution exist. So it's exactly what you just explained. It's exactly what you just explained. They came up with a new way to analyze, and they say, well, yeah, capitalism works, but not for everybody. And it doesn't work for the sexual minorities, and it doesn't work for the racial minorities, and it doesn't work for the women. And let's cobble together an identity politics movement. Identity Marxism is what I actually call it. And critical race theory is the race brand of that. Can I ask you, James, um, you know, because I've always thought that it was weird that the biggest racist um, of the day, uh, Lyndon Johnson, became the guy who did the Great Society. And when you see the effects of the Great Society, you realize this just destroyed the black family. And I've always thought it was racism uh, that keeps these programs going and uh, because everything even today Let's get rid of the police. That's hurting the black family much faster. The people who live in the inner cities much more than the people who are are living in the suburbs. It, it, it impacts these people first. So is this part of this Marxist philosophy to uh, churn everybody up the most likely to uh, stand up and overthrow a system because of I their mean, poverty Mark and desperation? Yeah, Marx advocated that, but this is actually more, if you ever listen to people that escaped, say, the Soviet Union or the, the Mao's China, they always, they don't say Marxism, Marxism, they say Marxism-Leninism. And so this is more the Leninist model. Lenin very famously said, accelerate the contradictions. What does that mean? It means make the misery visible to people because then they'll hate the system and want it to be overthrown. What was he specifically referring to when he said accelerate the contradictions? He was responding to somebody who said that the Ukrainians in the Holodomor were starving, mm -hmm. dying by the millions. And he said, accelerate the contradictions. So the entire model of the Marxist theory as put into practice by Vladimir Lenin was to make life as miserable as possible for the people that you want to become your revolutionaries so that they'll hate everything and be willing to burn it all down well, that so sure that they might have a shot at a better life. It sure explains everything that our government is doing because it's, it's almost as if every possible way they could poke a stick at us they have um they've made everything miserable is yeah you're not allowed to like anything they correct put it your sports they put it into your entertainment they put it every show you try to watch on tv has this kind of fake 
woke narrative that's being thrust upon you that you don't like. It's in your advertisements. You try to just scroll the internet, do something to take your mind off of it or watch YouTube and there's some woke commercial that gets thrust in your face. They've made it so that you aren't allowed to enjoy anything. Classical music, Beethoven's a racist. You're not allowed to like that anymore. You like other kind of music? Elvis Presley was a racist too. He stole the blues and turned it into rock and roll for his own profit. You're not allowed to like anything. Everything has to be made as miserable as possible. Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, Claymation, 50, 1950s. Every Christmas they spend, you know, article after article condemning that for its bullying culture and its patriarchy and its racism. Uh, you're not allowed to like anything. Uh, a must read is race Marxism. Uh, you will understand it in a completely different way. And you will have people in your family. Uh, you'll have people who are utes who will say oh well you're not really uh somebody that wants to stop this problem because you won't declare that you're anti-racism and anti-racist i don't even know how to argue that um but james does james what does that mean to be anti-racist it means that you're a comrade that's what it means. Anti-racist is the, the critical race theory word for comrade. It means that you've taken up allyship, that you've studied enough of the critical race theory to understand it. And so you understand to be an anti-racist. It's not enough to say, oh, I don't like racism or whatever. It means that you have to understand racism in this race Marxist way, that there's a structure. That's actually a Marxist idea. You hear systemic racism or structural racism. People hear these. Those are Marxist ideas. Marx believed, just to summarize quickly, that there was a superstructure to society, and that's the upper class. And then there's a infrastructure to society. That's the lower class, the productive class of farmers and workers with the hammers and the sickles doing all the productive work. And that there's a relationship, a conflict between them. He called it a dialectical materialist relationship between them that creates social relations. And the social relations are the structure of society. So structural racism is between white people and people of color, that the racism that, that white people created in the 1600s that we've fought so diligently to get rid of with blood and so much blood spilled to get past you know, slavery, to get past uh, with the civil rights, to get past segregation and apartheid states. All of that doesn't matter to them because the system, they say, is imbued with racism. And you must understand it this way and be against the entire system in order to be an anti-racist. And that has nothing to do with actual racism. This has everything to do with flipping the system to communism, correct? Yeah, I mean, like we can take the words from the, the Democratic monstrosity from, from Massachusetts, Ayanna Presley, who told us last year... I think last year, maybe it was in 2020, time flies when there's riots. She said, we don't want any more black faces who don't want to be black voices. We don't want any more brown faces who don't want to be brown voices. So what it has nothing to do with racism. What it has to do with is adopting their politics, whether you're white, whether you're black, whether you're brown, doesn't matter who you are. If you don't adopt their politics, you don't count. So what it's about is installing people who are critical race theorists into positions of power. We call this creating a party. We call this Leninism or Bolshevism. James, we're talking to James Lindsay. Uh, the name of the book is Race Marx Marxism, a must have for any library. You'll be able to understand it um, and be able to fight against it. I, I want to uh, I've got two minutes here before we go to a break, and I want to get to some solutions on how to stop this. Um, but 
I really want you to go into the practice of it. Um, I was reading the chapter. I think it was the second to the last chapter last night. And the the practice of it changes your understanding of what this is really about. Yeah, this is the Marxist thing. All Marx knew what to do was to create what he called class consciousness, to wake up the proletariat, to want to rebel against society. So when you transport that into the race context, you understand all critical race theorists do. They only do one thing all the time, which is to try to make critical race theorists out of everybody one way or another. And the primary target, of course, they're using is children who are easy to program and mold in the schools, for example. So their goal, and if you understand this, uh, it tells you what you have to do is you have to protect your children from these people. You have to get them out of their influence. You have to protect yourself by understanding it and rejecting it. All they're trying to do is make critical race theorists out of everybody, because if they get enough of them, they can overthrow society. They can put themselves in positions of power and overthrow society with them on top. When in your book, you explain it so well about it, this is everything. This is everything. And that's why they are so protective, uh, protective of it and uh, will shut people down and call them terrorists. If you say, hey, CRT is really bad. Because they can't be shut down. They ha- their thing is, if we can just make new apostles, and new apostles mean really the only thing you do is make other apostles. And so it just is a, it's a bunny hatch, a breeding ground in our schools. And they think, and I believe them, I think they're right, you get enough And capitalism and the American way of life, the Western way of life, is over. You're listening to the best of the Glenn Beck Program. This is the Glenn Beck Program. We are talking to James Lindsay, uh, who is just a brilliant i mean that's putting it mildly mildly a brilliant uh, math mathematician and uh, math professor he is a guy who has always thought he was liberal until he started you know realizing wait a minute you guys aren't consistent you're not making any sense here uh and then he thought he would point that out to the powers that be and they crushed him and so he has been working from outside the system now and uh, is really an honest searcher for truth. We're talking to him about his brand new book uh, called uh, Race, hang on just a second, Race Marxism. Uh, I've been reading it, uh, and just I'm on the last chapter now, and it is, it's eye-opening. If you are dealing with CRT uh, in your life, you need to know this and i think most of us are dealing with it in some way or another if you have children absolutely um but if you're at work and they call you in for a little uh a little race discussion that is crt as well um you and i don't want to touch on this for very long but you you talk about uh that crt is has some nazi parallels correct yeah, it does. It has some parallels to the Nazis, but it, it, I'm careful to distinguish it from the National sure. Socialist ideology because it actually is different. Um, 
but what it contains is it has this socialist engine underneath and it has this uh, kind of stratification of society program built into it. And in particular, it operates because it uses race based instead of class to, to do its, its work. It actually creates the what, what the Germans called folkish nationalism mm-hmm. that Hitler built his program out of. Uh, the idea for him was Ein Folk, the German people were going to be one people, one folk. And this is why you hear them say brown folks, black folks, white folks all the time. It was imported from W.E.B. Du Bois, who went and studied in Germany just before the turn of 1900. And he came back and he created this idea that literally fed into the ideas of black nationalism, which, again, sees black folks as one people. And the communists actually exploited this. They always find nationalist movements and exploit them uh, throughout history. They did, especially in China. Uh, but they, they exploited the black nationalist movement and critical race theory actually grew out of that. That it's, said, of course, Hitler had an Aryan race ideology that does not appear. There is no superior race ideology in critical race theory, just to be clear that it is different. Hang on just a second. But there is a problem race. Uh, and yeah, that is there's a scapegoated race. Right. I mean, that is white people. And by the way, uh, you know, Jews are looked at as white people. Now Asians are looked to as white people. I mean, they are demonizing one race as the problem. And that doesn't end well in the end. It never ends well. No. And that is the the biggest parallel to the National Socialist Movement is that it is demonizing by race. And for people who don't know, uh, there is there was a book in 98 by Karen Brodkin titled mm-hmm. How Jews Became White Folks. And it goes into this tremendous detail about how Jewish people threw other racial groups under the bus to be recognized as white. And then when they obtained white privilege for themselves, they became the the kind of leaders of white culture and started to hoard white culture for Jeez. themselves. It, that reproduces Nazi ideology virtually perfectly with regard to its anti-Semitic tropes. Now, that, that only happens in a society where you cannot compromise and we've always been a society where we can say hey you you know you believe your thing and i'll believe my thing but that's not these we are dealing with um they're revolutionaries from the streets they're now just in boardrooms and classrooms and there is no compromise for these people is that true correct no, compromise, as a matter of fact, is something that upholds some of the status quo. You, and so therefore, you are part of the enemy. The system has to be completely overturned. We can look in uh, Critical Race Theory and Introduction, for example, which is a book, obviously, about critical race theory. And they tell us that they, they very carefully, on the very first page of the book, distinguish uh, traditional approaches of civil rights, which they say use incrementalism and step-by-step progress, the kind of thing that we would see in a, in a republic or in a parliamentary system, they reject that in favor of revolutionary approaches instead. So they have to overthrow the entire system conveniently with themselves placed in the positions of power uh, on the other side of the revolution. You need to understand this if you are going to school board meetings and fighting. You need to know who you're fighting against, and it is not the fight you think you're in. You're not fighting somebody who believes in America and believes uh, in the things that you believe most likely. There are those people who are just, you know, go along to get along and they think they understand it. But if they really understand critical race theory, uh, there is no compromise and you're in trouble. Uh, That goes for the corporations, too. So what do we do to fight it? 
Well, it turns out we have a great example. You know, I mentioned a few things in the book. I talk about different policy proceed, uh, proposals we could have to ban the, the segregation and ban the discrimination and ban the scapegoating that we have going on in our schools. I talk about kind of this cultural renewal project of Americanism. And I talk about what America in the last chapter is really about this exactly what you were saying about the freedom of belief and, and being able to compromise and get along despite differences. And I say that that's rooted in a common sensibility. And so now we have this great example of how to fight back. The Canadian truckers are showing us how to fight back. You think that's about just the vaccines, but it's the same for this. What do you have there? Exactly the opposite of everything Marxists want to have happen. Marxism is a, is a ideology of division and hate and misery. And so what do you see? You see people of all races, down-to-earth, working-class people getting together, having fun, being peaceful. They aren't going into the backlash that critical race theory through all of its literature predicts. They aren't becoming violent to try to protect their racial interests. It's multiracial, multiethnic, people out in the street dancing and having fun, playing music, building shelters, feeding people, having a good time. They're doing, this is the example. It's people coming together, regardless of race, and being friends, and being positive, and refusing to budge on Marxist, uh, you know, incursions into their, their society. But again, you're fighting people that are not going to give up. I mean, look what they're doing with the banks. Do we, you know, when we get to this point, and I think we are, and, you know, you, you have said, I think this book is just in time. We've talked about how CRT is uh, an enforcement tool for the Great Reset. Uh, correct that is correct okay. yeah for sure um and we we have to fight it uh before we fight it on the street we have to fight it in our own life so, so parents you should read this book but what about if you're working in a corporation and they say hey we're gonna have a discussion on race today and everybody has to attend what do you do yeah that the obvious challenge there is that you are now in a decision dilemma of your own uh, because the corporate power structure is quite tyrannical and you don't have a lot of options. Your choices are to go along and, you know, be subversive, primarily gathering information that you might leak to expose the company for doing it, or to try to rebel and find out that you're up against a machine. The corporate world is the hardest place to fight it. And this is the place where I think we're going to, we're seeing not enough of, and I'm going to need the most legislative action. We're going to need to see Congress and state legislatures and governors taking uh, strong, decisive action that bans this idea of using ESG scores to determine virtually everything. We need to have them come, coming up with solutions within the, the borders of the United States that prohibit these kind of very bizarre behaviors by these big banks like BlackRock and Vanguard, where they're using the leverage to put on the company. Because once you're in the company as the individual, you don't have much you can do. So you need to be reaching out to your lawmakers. You need to be reaching out to your governors. We can't rely on the Biden administration that's in on this whole hog. So you have to be reaching out to these other people and trying to get them to start coming up with legislative uh, solutions that they can use to to put a roadblock in place of this to protect workers from these uh, from this racketeering basically that's going on yeah. this, this fraudulent product of DEI that's being used to raise their ESG scores if you will with the Great Reset you these things this product is fraudulent people should be suing so it doesn't make better racial or sexual dynamics it creates hostile working environments we're working with twenty states um, on ESG uh, legislation. And the people who get it, get it. And it's people on both sides of the aisle that, that see it and get it. 
the bigger pushback is not from the the uh, Democrats, the normal Democrats. Um, the big pushback a lot of times is from the Republicans who say that's a private business. The business can do whatever they want. I had a group of people just tell me the other day, uh, where is this even happening? I mean, yeah, you're, you're talking about theory. Yes, they have ESG scores, but where has this affected anyone? <laughs> Everywhere. That's what these people need to understand. They need to understand a couple of things. First things first, and this is why I said one of the things that people can do is they can go to the training, they can take pictures of all the material, and then they can leak that into the world. Because where is it happening? People, they, the, the Marxists will always gaslight you and try to tell you it's not happening. It's not happening. It's not real. You're crazy. You're a conspiracy theorist. People need to see it. Show, don't tell has to be the rule. You have to show people this is really what they're doing. And in most cases where that's happened, things, you know, the companies get bad press. They try to get away from it. They try to take some step. It does put pressure on them. Secondly, these, these lawmakers that think, you know, these are private companies, they can do what they want. They need to understand the Marxists, when they abandoned the working class in the 60s, figured out how to use the corporate model to mm-hmm. do the tyranny that they need. And we're not working in a free market, which is what principle they're reaching to. We're working in an grotesquely captured market, a grotesquely monopolized market with humongous trust through things like the World Economic Forum that aren't just trusts across industries using the banks as the lever, but also trusts that are incorporating governments, a public-private partnership, they call it, Klaus Schwab calls it, the World Economic Forum. That's literally fascism. So these people need to wake up and realize that they are using the corporations as a workaround of the Constitution. And if they believe in the Constitution, they believe in the oath that they've pledged to the Constitution, they need to stand up and defend the Constitution against enemies that are corporate. It's not a free market that's taking place. James, I want to thank you for writing the book. I want to thank you for being who you are um, and really, truly being unafraid. But I also want to thank you for traveling and talking to legislatures all across the country. Uh, I don't remember what state it was, but I was talking to a group and they said you had just spoken to the legislature about CRT and race Marxism. And so when we started talking to them about ESG, they were like, we know we got it. We're on it. And I I can't thank you enough. Yeah, I'm getting all over. It was probably Kansas. The good yeah, people might have been. Kansas are yeah. very interested in this. Yeah. I'm going to Florida next, so we'll talk good. to them soon. Yeah, I'm wondering where Florida is on this, but have Adam, James. Have Adam. Thank you so much. Uh, James Lindsay, he is the author of the book Race Marxism. If you want to understand CRT and you want to go deeper into why ESG is an enforcement uh, of Marxism, Please grab Race Marxism uh, and his podcast, NewDiscourses.com, NewDiscourses.com, his New Discourses podcast found wherever you get your podcasts. And you did a long uh, interview, over an hour, uninterrupted on this topic, which is available on your YouTube page. And it is, it's hair raising. I mean, it's really, it's, it's, uh, I found it inspiring. I found I walked out Mm. of that feeling good. Um, and I think it's because there are things you can do. And once you know it, power comes from knowledge. So learn it. And you can find that uh, YouTube podcast with uh, with James Lindsay at the blaze TV dot com slash Glenn or wherever you get your podcast. YouTube. Mm-hmm. Yeah. YouTube dot com slash Glenn Beck. There's a playlist of all your podcast episodes there, which is the easiest way to find one if you're looking for one of those long form interviews.
the best of the Glenn Beck Program. Chad Prather, how are you, sir? I'm tired, but I'm well. I know. You look you look good for being... <laughs> well, I've been in makeup. Yeah, okay. So you've been on the road every day. You just got back from Midland. We were in Midland last week. Then we were uh, we were in Bandera last night. We were in... Um, Hang on. Bandera is northwest San Antonio. Okay. Cowboy capital of the world. Is we it had really? About, we had about 2,000 people there last night wow. at an event. And then the night before that, we were in Marble Falls in the, uh, in the Horseshoe Bay area. Tonight, I will be in Conroe. So we've been on the road since 3.30 this morning to get in to do this and, of course, tape my show mm-hmm. uh, today. Then we head to Conroe, Montgomery County, and then tomorrow we'll be in Texarkana for two events. And you're having a lot of people show a up. A lot of people. And who are they? These are people that are crawling out from under the rocks, coming out of their bunkers. They're tired of business as usual. They want government out of their life, which is my platform. Let's get government out of your life. These are folks that have maybe never voted in a primary. A lot of them haven't voted in 25 years. They're just sick to death of big government and politics as usual. They're tired of career politicians. Uh, We're seeing this trend happen all over the country. We are. And people think that Texas is just a shoe-in, that these career politicians Mm -hmm. are the ones who who have to have it. But when you have 19 out of 103 House and, and Senate Republicans in Austin, only 19 have called for a special session to have vaccines that are mandated by an employer made illegal in the state only 19 you that there's a problem there you know in living here because i lived here in the 80s and -hmm. it was a different state uh and texas has this image of you know going to be the last to stand not if things don't change no let me tell you exactly and i try to what i'm doing is i'm campaigning on numbers so we've seen in the last seven years under this governor we've seen an increase of spending by 19 percent with a population growth of only 5.4 percent now if you do the math on that and you project that out the next five years we look exactly like california so spending has increased by 48 billion dollars under this governor that's not fiscal conservatism we're growing it's i call it the big blob it rolls through everything it touches it consumes and it moves Mm -hmm. on and leaves everything in its wake and it's getting bigger and bigger in austin the priorities of the gop were not recognized in this 87th legislative session um we know that the doors have been thrown wide open to big tech in silicon valley we've got tesla here now i just drove past their plant this morning east of austin isn't that a good thing? Uh, no, it's not. Because if you bring in the what I keep continue to remind people is we're, we've become a sinkhole state. So that means we're just like Illinois. So that means every time a job is created, the money we're spending to create those jobs works out to about five hundred thousand dollars per employee. Holy cow. Yeah. So we're a sinkhole state. So in other words, we, by saying, hey, you can come in and you won't pay the taxes. Right. That you have. Well, to pay this governor usually. just gave just gave over nine hundred million dollars in tax breaks to Samsung. That's a South Korean company. And meanwhile, people in Texas, their property taxes are skyrocketing. Oh, yeah. We rank sixth in the nation in property taxes. And that's the most immoral tax there is because you never own your land and you, you never mm-hmm. own your you know, when people think of Texas, they think of J.R. Ewing, right? You own a ranch. You have oil money. We're apologizing for both. We're penalizing people for both. We're known for that. We're a global power recognized for, for energy. And, and you know about the you know a year ago this week, everything was frozen out and shut down. So whenever these California Silicon Valley companies, and by the way, we are the number two subsidizer of Facebook in the nation as what? a state. What? We give Facebook $165 million a year. So what, why exactly? 
Exactly. No, sir. They have a lot of money. Do they do now, you need you would to be think that any? Zuckerberg could afford dinner? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, but we we're subsidizing them because How? we have Why? thrown. We're giving them cash because we are throwing the money at them. They want Silicon Valley mm. money, and they want to turn Austin into Silicon Valley. Uh, this governor, and when I say them, that's who I'm talking about. Uh, people don't recognize we we're now a home to Tesla. Uh, Google, Amazon, Facebook, and so many others. Samsung is coming here. This governor sent a, a congratulatory letter to the CCP on 70 years of rule in China. The deals that are being made, people have no clue that what's going on. Mm. Uh, these are verifiable facts. So what I remind people is, yeah, you say it's jobs for Texans by bringing these companies here. But what happens when they bring their ideologies here and they demand that you get a vaccination in order to keep your job? And you say no. Well, they're going to fire you and they're going to call their, their cronies out in Silicon Valley, move them to Texas with their ideologies. They're already indoctrinated and inoculated. They're going to bring their money. They're going to bring their influence. They're going to bring their well, votes. we see it happening in Austin now. Austin so, is. It's always been weird. But now Austin... Well, when 15% of the population of Austin is choosing a transient homeless lifestyle as a choice, some of them have jobs and they choose to live under a bridge. That's weird. That's weird. <laughs> Isn't that so, the slogan? So Austin I, is weird. Exactly. Yeah. They, they accomplished weird. it. Yeah. They accomplished it. Mm. Uh, you're, you, you know, if you're, unless you're getting raped or in the process of being murdered, you can't call the police in Austin. And then they may or may not show up because of their defund the police initiative. Um, I call them the blueberries in the chili, whether it's Dallas and now Fort Worth, where I live, Austin, of course, El Paso, San Antonio, Houston. You know, they just broke a news story of, of, a, of a mail carrier dumping 38 voter registration cards in the trash. They caught it on a ring camera in Harris County, which is Houston. Uh, we've got a lot of problems here in this state. The, the Texas is not the Texas that most Texans think it is. And it's because of big government. Look, you make a great argument in, in the Great Reset. You make a great argument for having smaller districts and more representatives. That's not what mm -hmm. I'm talking about. That's a smart idea because it, 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 it diminishes the ability for people to just be crooked politicians. Mm -hmm. Your neighbors with the people that you're representing. Right. But right now, we're sending these people to Austin. And this big government flow that we're, that we're sending in there... It, it, you, you, people are surprised when I tell them that this governor spent $295 million on contact tracing, that he's violated your constitutional rights 16 times at least in the last 18 months. You know, when he shut down the state, he shut down 3 million jobs, deemed people and their businesses non-essential. Couldn't go to work, couldn't go to weddings, couldn't go to funerals unless it was George Floyd's. You couldn't go to uh, the gym. I don't want to go to the gym. But constitutionally, <laughs> constitutionally, if I vote. sign a contract. That, that, that changed my mind. That, that's that's the one, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, if I sign a contract with a gym, the government cannot come in and make that contract null and void. That's a constitutional right. We sweep those things under the rug. So I tell people all the time, I say, read the fine print. Forget the big R or the D by their name. Read the fine print. So... The media wants Abbott to run again because they know he can't defend his record, whether it's the border, whether it's property taxes, the energy grid, or shutdowns. They can't do it. He, he's not going to be able to defend it. They would love to see Abbott versus O'Rourke because they're going to make this a personality race, all right? Well, Abbott doesn't have a personality. Let's be honest, I'm the only guy in this who has a personality. <laughs> uh, and, and so, you know, and I include my, my friends who are my primary opponents that we've now done at least 20 events and another one tonight together in candidate forums. Uh, and I can give their speeches and they can give my speeches at this point. We, we've gotten together with an anyone but Abbott um, agenda when it comes to this March 1st primary. Early voting in Texas has already started. And we do. We have a lot of support. We have more support than I even give myself credit for. 
And so what I'm encouraging people to do is I say, you know, in 1773, they had the Boston Tea Party. Let's go to Travis County, have an Austin Tea Party. Because these guys that are incumbents in there, they're not representing the priorities of Texas citizens. I, and they've got to go. I will tell you that I have been shocked by the Republicans in Texas. I yeah. mean, I just I just went up and spoke to the legislators and senator and governor of Idaho. And I said, look, I, I bet on two states. You know, I have a ranch in mm-hmm. Idaho and a home here. And I bet on two states. And I'm not sure Texas is going to stand. It, it won't stand. You know, and I hate to agree with AOC. And, and just last week in San Antonio, she said it's inevitable that Texas will turn blue. We have got to take the power from these monopolies, which are these power centers, these mob-ruled major metropolitan areas. You know, one of the things that I advocate for is if you're going to have an amendment added to the Constitution of Texas, that it needs to be ratified by three-quarters of the counties in the state. Because mm-hmm. that's the only way we're going to get back to the true values of Texas. I was, with, you know, I was in Bandera, Texas with 2,000 great Texans. I mean, that's Texas. That's Texas. Uh, these There's transplants coming in here, I, you know, I wish there was a way we could say you got to live here at least four years before you can vote. Yeah, it just because I believe the spirit of Texas is caught, it's not taught. Yes, you you either get it or you don't get it. It's like those squiggly line pictures. You got to look through them and you see a pirate ship or whatever. Mm-hmm. Once you see it, you can't unsee it. Mm-hmm. And that's the way Texas is. It's more contagious than COVID. You want to give it away. You become a Texas evangelist. Yeah. You know, there's a humble arrogance about Texas. We walk a little bit taller. We stick our chest out. You know, we but we don't rank first in any category. Nothing. We're not even close to first. I mean, our economy is 38th. Our spending is outrageous. We're in the high 30s, low 40s in terms of uh, education, health care, opportunity. Alaska would point out we don't even we're not even number one in size. Right. They're very <laughs> proud of that. Yeah, I, I've got a great T-shirt that's got a, uh, an Alaskan with his arm around a little cowboy says, don't worry, little buddy. <laughs> but, but I want us I want us to lead. And, and not just in, I believe the nation does look to Texas. I think Texans are right now uh, kind of embarrassed that we look at Florida right. and we're like, why is Florida leading the way on all of this stuff? Right. There's no, and there's no waffle irons in the shape of Florida. You know, <laughs> South Dakota doesn't have its own toast. And Ron DeSantis came out and said, welcome to Florida, the new Texas. That ticked me off. But he's right. I said to him, uh, do you have term limits in Texas? And, no. Or I mean, in Florida? And oh, he yeah. said, uh, yeah, I can run for one more term. And I said, good. Can you move to Texas? <laughs> right. yeah, just keep moving around yeah. <laughs> until you hit all 50 states. And I think we'll be uh, we'll be fine. Chad Prather, who is running for um, governor here in Texas and uh, a guy who is with the Blaze TV and has his own show and podcast. Very funny stuff. Great. Really um, informative and funny. Uh, Chad, let me let me talk to you about Canada a bit. Because I don't think Americans understand that that is right around the corner for us without ever getting into your truck. Right. You know, who knew it only took 18 wheels to flatten the curve, right? (laughs) Uh, You know, and you brought it out on your show, I think it was last week. And, you know, they've only had a charter, which is equivalent to our Bill of Rights since 1982. We've had our Bill of Rights since 1791. I think these people, for them, this level of freedom is is very new to them. Mm-hmm. It's very fresh. They want to defend it. Uh, Justin Trudeau is a dictator by every sense of the word. Oh yeah, uh, and he's a zit on the on the you know the rear end of the world. Uh, and I can't stand the guy. Right? right. And I mean, you talk about a guy that needs to be canceled if we're going to embrace cancel culture. This yeah. guy. Yeah. So it's very fresh to them. 
And, you know, Western Canadians are not like Eastern Canadians. I mean, I, they call that the Texas of the North, right, mm-hmm. Alberta. Mm-hmm. And that's where a lot of this has originated. And they're pursuing freedom. But you're right. They're kind of uh, it's almost like a trial run of how this would look in America. And these Canadians are standing up to it in a big way. This convoy will be there January 6th. Yeah. And that's the way it's going. They will be called insurrectionists. They will be called, you know, that's well, one. It, it bothers me what's happening with the the finance minister who is mm-hmm. part on the board of the uh, Great Reset for mm-hmm. the WEF. Um, but what they're doing now is no bank accounts, no right. credit cards. Everything's frozen, not just for the people who are there. But if you are associated in any way or try to help the people that are there or have given any money. Right. And now they're also saying you may banks can decide whether or not to take their land. Mm-hmm. That's this, you know, and, way and you, beyond you bring it out. So, so good in the book. And, you know, I've had Justin on my show uh, who has contributed to your book. And this is behavioral economics is what this is. You don't behave right. Correct. Then we're going to penalize you. You can't put food on your table. Literally. We're, we're just going Literally. to starve you out. Correct. And at what point in time, this this is why the Tenth Amendment in America is so important, understanding states' rights, sovereignty of states. Uh, and, and they don't have, you know, Canada, it's not America. And a lot of times I think people confuse that. Why are they putting up with this? Well, in many ways, they don't have any choice. But it doesn't matter when it comes to global economics, because this is going to happen. But I mean, do you think people here are waking up and seeing it's the same it's the same people, the same language. Always. Uh, and do you think that they're waking up and going, holy cow, that could happen to me? So, you know, we've talked about it on my show as well as, you know, this book, as you say, Glenn, this could be the most important book you've ever written. Oh, it is. It is. For sure. And there's no doubt about it. We yeah. say that tongue in cheek, but it really is. Yeah. You know, I've tried to explain to people what ESG is, what MMT is, make them understand that this is where that's, you think your credit score matters. You think your FICA score, that doesn't matter anymore. Mm -hmm. These folks are going to penalize you based on your social media, based on where you've spent your money, what your browser history says. Uh, Literally, what your browser history says. Exactly. And they're going to make it where you cannot even provide for your family. And this is real. It's coming. This is what's going to happen unless we take this back. We've we and, and listen, these politicians, one of the reasons I'm running in Texas, because these politicians are bought out by the elites. You look at their donor list. You mm-hmm. see multinational corporations. You see um, these big donors, these billionaires. You see Silicon Valley. You see foreign entities. I mean, if you if you run it through enough times, you see cartels. You see Chinese money. We've got to get these people out of the way and get back. What I say is Texas needs to be a constitutional sanctuary state. If it Amen. doesn't fit in the Constitution, then it doesn't do business on Texas soil. We've gotten so bloated and expanded beyond that. If we continue this big government... This this crazy out of control big government where people look at it and they say, well, there's nothing we can do. We just feel right. like we're helpless now. What I mean, what can we do? Well, you've let it get so big and become so, the government was never designed for you to be dependent upon it. Mm-hmm. And they've made you dependent on it. And that that goes for, quote, conservatives as well, because if suddenly the government tomorrow was made small, you wouldn't know what to do with yourself because we've gotten so dependent on it. So what's it going to take? We've got to get these people out of there. I will tell you that. Uh as bad as it sounds, maybe to you listening, you're like, that's Texas. Right. Uh, it's this is a haven mm-hmm. compared to anything back east 100%. or out west. I mean, I remember when I came here and it was this bad when I got here. 
I thought, oh, my gosh, this is an island of freedom that I've <laughs> not seen since my childhood. Right. Um, so it's still much, much better, but it's it's not going it to withstand. It's, it's an untenable it's, future. Yep, yep. Open borders, a target on our back by Washington, D.C. When you turn on the news, you see the borders of Texas. You don't see New Mexico, Arizona or California. They focus on Texas. Why are they being brought to the Texas border? Because they want Texas to fall. This administration particularly needs Texas, which is seen as a beacon of liberty and freedom and pride. We have the size, leverage, economy, population to put D.C. back on track. They don't want to be put back on that track. I will tell you how true that is. I just read somebody who was growing up in Romania when the wall fell. And she said, my dad became outspoken because he watched Dallas. Mm. And they said, the communists let us play Dallas because they said, look how decadent they are. But they saw people that could control their own future and own their own land and grow. And she said, Dad looked in and went, God bless J.R. Ewing. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. That's it. Chad Prather, thank you so much. Thank you. Uh, we'll talk to you again soon. Na, 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 na.